Yo, 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 what up, what up, what up? It's your girl, V Henny, man. You already know the vibes. Welcome to the artistry where we talk shit about music, entertainment, and the everyday struggles. And you know how we do, man. We always have a dope guest in the building. We have creative director, producer, the visionary himself. We got Show Me. I don't have the budget, so. <laughs> it's all good. Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, Nice intro. You're welcome. You're welcome. How you doing? Good, good, good. Just got back from my hometown of Virginia yesterday. I'm back in Jersey. Um, freaking trying to figure out this year. Well, the year is figuring it out for me. Like, okay. I was like, I was, uh, I'll probably start out with the struggle first, if anything. <laughs> no, because, you know, winter just is like, we're in the midst of winter, right? Right, right, and right. so like. November and December, I'm a workaholic. So when November and December happens, I already try like start gearing up. Okay, things are gonna slow down, mm-hmm. and you start like thinking, yo, like, is this the, like, when things slow down, it's crazy because you start having too much free time to think about too many things. Yeah, like, is this the, am I am I washed? Like, should yeah. I still be in the game? And then I swear it's like clockwork. Every time, mid January, like. Mad people start calling. Yeah. And now you run into that problem. Okay, how do we squeeze all these people in? Everybody wants it like yesterday all of a sudden. I do agree with you. I notice like usually towards the ending of the last quarter, right? Yeah. It's like it slows down. Yeah. And then it's like, like you mentioned, January comes in, it's like boom. Because I was in the same boat where I felt around December or so, I was just like, nah, bro, I'm, I'm a little bored at yeah. this point. And I'm like, I need to like, like you, you, I, I'm the type I like to keep myself productive. Right. Yep. So I was just like, so I get it. Um, but you here, you're, you're, you're doing so many things. Um, you know, I know you're not a drinker, but I usually do a toast. <laughs> uh, but I uh, definitely just want to say congratulations Thank to you. you and all your success. Thank you. And Thank yeah, you. you know, definitely let's continue rising. Um, yeah. your catalog is amazing. Thank um, you. The fact that you worked with Beyonce, um, the documentary for Wu Tang that we, you know, you've done, um, ASAP Mob, um, Diplo, etc. Right? Uh, what inspired you to get into the film industry? Um, for me, I mean, I always loved film growing up, you know, but being somebody that's South Asian, more specifically Bengali, like, mm-hmm. thought that was impossible for me to even be around that sort of thing, right? Because right. like my parents. I could go into the typical immigrant story, but it was like they came from struggle. You know, when we came to this country, they had no money. So when I see my dad work so hard, I'm like, oh man, like being in the arts mm-hmm. doesn't even seem like something I can even think about. That's why I didn't go to school for the arts, right? Like I wanted to, but ended up going to school for computer science. Um, but I loved hip hop, obviously. I know it sounds cliche, but like loved the visuals. Okay. Really. It was the visuals that. Like, obviously, I love the music. Like, that's first. But um, Hype Williams, Spike Jones, mm. like, seeing those guys, uh, even Dave Myers, like, I mean, he was putting it down when I was, like, you know, a, a kid in high school watching uh, rap videos. Um, but really, I mean, my number one would be Hype. Like, okay. watching that blew my mind for a few reasons because, like, the first time I saw – Missy's uh, Can't Stand the Rain video. Oh, my God, yes. With the fisheye lens and the, the shiny garbage bag suit, whatever that right, was. Right, right. I was like, yo, what is this? And then to find out they were from my hometown of Virginia, I was like, all right, like, this That's is crazy. Dope. Like, this kind of stuff can come out of my area. Like, 
all okay. the, so then I started like finding out more and more like okay oh wow like the Neptunes are from my hometown then I found out uh hmm. knots uh bank and it's like one after another I'm like wait a minute like I didn't know then I, like it hit me when I was a child listening to Michael Michael Jackson's Dangerous album. Um, that's the other part, right? Like, watching Michael Jackson videos. Right. Like, those inspired me, too, because he made movies, basically. Yeah, they were very cin- uh, cinematic. Yeah, like, so cinematic. It was like an event, though, right? Like, yeah. the hype of, like, knowing a Michael Jackson video is going to premiere, like, the whole world would just freeze for that moment. Mm-hmm. And so, like, just even having those memories, like, oh, man, if I could have that sort of impact on people, you know, that would be so fun. So, like... For me, I always felt like I was a visual person, right? Okay. Like, I was a visual learner, but also just like a visual storyteller. Okay. Like, started out as a kid, just like drawing comic books for fun, like on my homework, right? Like, I wasn't, I would say like, I had my good years and bad years as a kid, like as okay. a student. Okay. And so I had my rebellious years, you know? I know like ninth grade, I was really bad as a kid because Wu-Tang <laughs> came out. All on my homework, I was just drawing the W logo. I, right. I told Riz of this. I was like, I was like, yo, like I'd always like practice drawing the W logo. So I was like a visual person, and then that also connected me to all the art I'd see in hip hop. Like I love the album artwork, you know. I was always paying attention to the album artwork, and it got deeper because then I started looking at the linear notes and stuff. Okay. And like, oh man, like these things, like producers exist. That like there's somebody behind making the beat. Like you don't know this when you're a kid. You think like one person's responsible yeah. for everything. Yeah. So when you start finding out there are behind-the-scenes people that make it all happen, from the video to all that, I was like, that gives me hope. Like, I could enter in somehow. I saw something that you – I was in your Twitter mm-hmm. account. I lo- <laughs> I, by the way, your Twitter account – Oh, God. I fucks with it. Like, I definitely I try to do. keep it honest <laughs> and real. So, I, I, you know, obviously you, you can tell, as you're mentioning, that you was always, like, artistic, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and then you mentioned how at eight years old – you would draw uh, pictures and mm-hmm. engage with them by dancing, clapping, yes. simulating crowd cheers, you know? So Yes, so I never talked about that till that tweet. So I, 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 you definitely keep that tweet, right? Yeah, yeah. I was embarrassed about it because um, my cousins and all of them were just like, yo, there's something wrong with this kid. <laughs> but I knew, like, I now psychologically started understanding, going back to that point of, like, wanting to please people and be kind of like a showman, right? Okay. Like, I knew I was going to be a rapper or something. You know, I didn't have any musical ability as far as, like, singing goes or something, right? But I wanted an audience. Okay. And I was my own audience. Right, right. So when I would look at my own photos, it had, like, a ritual of, like, just dancing around it or something. And it's just like, it's like well, what's wrong with this kid? <laughs> Somebody check on him. Like, why is he jumping up and down at his own drawings? But that's just what I did. And it's silly, but I know there's, like, a lot of psychological reasoning behind it. Because of your imagination and how artistic creatively you are it's like you're here with it's like somewhat of in a place where it's like you became who you are yeah originally the authenticity of who you are you know because i feel like especially like the, when we become like programmed in a sense right yeah. or become this adult it's like we're, we're we're supposed to have this like traditional background exactly. profession yeah yeah no especially me i went to school for computer science um I went that route because, uh, one, like, I didn't want to disappoint my parents. Right. As soon as they hear art, they're like, you don't make money off of art. Especially right. not in Virginia Beach, Virginia. You know, like, there's no industry there. You know, little do they know there's <laughs> all, there actually is industry brewing there. Being that, going back to the Michael Jackson part, one of the biggest things that had happened was 
the Dangerous album was produced in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Mm. A lot of people don't know that. Future Studios, Teddy that. Riley. Because Teddy Riley moved to VA and really, really like started planting the seeds for Virginia's art scene because when he moved to VA, he had discovered the Neptunes. Okay. So when Pharrell, Chad were 17, that's how you know they got discovered. And and same thing had happened to um, Devante from Jodeci. Oh, he okay. also went to Virginia and discovered that. Timbaland and Magoo and all those guys. Okay. And the whole basement crew was, you know, wow. Aaliyah, Magoo, Missy, right. uh, Genuine. So, like, you had these, like, cliques forming down there, right? Like, I was a little too young for that. You know, I was still young just as a, you know, just a kid as an audience. Mm-hmm. Just like, whoa, like, what is going on in this area? There's something special. And one of the uh, terms that we all use now about Virginia is like, there's something in the water, mm, you know, because okay. Virginia it's a beach town. And we just say, oh, there's something in the water because you wouldn't think, especially back then, it was a very conservative um, sundown uh, city, okay. meaning like it's a dark history behind it. You know, there's a lot of racism, right. police brutality, right. all those things, you know, like. Um, How was that, know. though, like knowing the fact that. You mentioned, let's go back to how, you know, you wanted to please your parents, yeah. you know. When you start off creating or you or pursuing a goal or a dream, you want the support of your family. Yeah. So how was that? Was that challenging at first? Yeah, I had to live a double life. Really? Um, okay. Yeah, because, you know, luckily, just like, I got lucky because I was the only kid in the hood um, when we did grow up in the hood. You know, like, I, I've seen my parents go from the hood to the suburbs to, like, even now a house by the water. Seen that. I've seen them, like, live out this true American American dream. But when we were living in the hood, like, my dad was working really hard, working all these jobs. Okay. And he wanted to be an entrepreneur himself and bought a computer. Oh, okay. So, like, most kids in my neighborhood didn't have a nice computer. Mm. And, I, and I'm aging myself, but this is 1994. I'll never forget it, like. My first real, like, really dope computer that me and my dad work out of was this, uh, it was a Pentium processor. It was a big deal to have that. Okay. Like, it was fast for the time, you know? Now it's hilarious. Like, your iPhone is probably, like, 50 times. Right, right. Not a thousand <laughs> times faster. But when we had that computer, I was just, like, early on the internet. Okay. You know? And so, um, you know, in a way, my parents did set me up for that. And I was really internet savvy early on. Okay. Computer savvy early on. So I said, okay, I don't want to like make my parents upset, but I know this tool could be used for the arts at the same time. Right. So let me just kind of like say, hey, I'm going to do computer science. Maybe at best I'll make video games or something. Okay. You know, by the time you go to college, you find out like, okay, you're not going to make video games. You're going to be reading a lot of books on theory. You're going to take Calc 3. You're going to take linear algebra, all this right, crazy yeah. stuff. So here I am, like, uh, here I am, like, trying to be, like, a, like at the time, there was a such thing as a nerd, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. You don't have a nerd nowadays. No, you don't. You, if anything, there, isn't style in a sense. Uh, well, back then, yeah. the true, like, idea of a Steve Urkel-type nerd existed, right. and that was us. But at the same time, I was the nerdy kid that was into hip-hop. I was the nerdy kid in the hood that watched anime, you know? Mm. And then I started finding out other cl- kids that were Puerto Rican and black in my hood that were also liking anime. So we all got together and, like, you know, like, just, you know, hung out and learned so many things about each other's cultures that way. And they would put me on to certain music, you know. And so, like, and I'd put them on to certain music because I was getting into techno music and all that stuff that okay. my cousins were 
into because they were hanging out with like all these European kids. And so like to go back to it all though, I'm filled with all this art that I want to do and just all this artistic inspiration for my family and my cousins, especially putting me on early and just the neighborhood I'm in. But they have this pressure to say, okay, my parents work so hard to even buy me the computer to begin with, right? Right. And um, so how do I like figure this out? So I said, okay, if I'm gonna get into the arts and I gotta like find a way this can cross, I realized if I made websites for people, mm. that could still be cool. Okay. And at the time, maybe just my luck that not that many rappers had websites. So one of the first kids I met that I was really impressed by, um, some of your audience may know, and I'll make the connection for them even more, this kid Nicholas F. So a lot of people, if they don't remember Nicholas F., he was one of the first kids that worked with Drake. Okay. So before we even met Drake, there was a kid Nicholas F. that was from Richmond, Virginia, mm. about an hour, uh, like an hour and 30 minutes from where I lived. Okay. He'd come to like the VA, uh, like the Virginia Beach, like um, open mics and all these things. And I just, you know, I through another uh, college, uh, high school friend, I had discovered about him and I was like, yo, this kid is sick. Like I could imagine getting signed to Pharrell. So like now this is the year like 2001. Okay. You know, Pharrell's all over the radio. I'm in college doing my computer science thing. And then I connected even more because they called themselves NERD. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, I'm a nerd. I can relate to Pharrell. And Pharrell was like that. Like he was also into like science and, you know, um, like NASA and okay. spaceships and aliens, all that weird stuff right. that I was into too. So I was like, man, I know I'd get along with like Pharrell and their crew if I ever met them. Right, right. And so I was like, all right, this kid Nick, he doesn't have the money at the time, like, you know, to make websites and stuff. Okay. I have the knowledge to make a website. I'm using my computer science knowledge to like with coding and HTML to make it. Mm -hmm. Made one for him, caught the attention of uh, Magoo from Timbal and Magoo. Okay. Because another friend of mine that was producing for Nick Hannon, he was producing for uh, Timbaland and Magoo. Wow. And so, like, one thing connects to another, yeah. right? You take your chance and say, yo, let me invest in this guy, sweat labor. Like, that's my whole life story is, like, the sweat equity. So, like, my parents are like, oh, this is innocent. Like, he's just making the websites. Like, it's not a big deal. Like, yeah, yeah, for now, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, cool. Like, if he can figure out a way to get paid, cool. And I was not getting paid for a while because – um. Maybe it's because I was also naive, too, because honestly, like, even though I was making websites, I really wanted to be a music producer all my life. Oh, okay. A lot of people don't know that. And no, I so I was thinking, oh, maybe I could get Nick on one of my beats if I'm making him this website. And okay. he did get on one of my beats. And so <laughs> when he got on one of my beats, I was so hyped. I was like, yeah, like, this is my way in. Right. But when you're a young kid, you're very naive and you do dumb things. And I remember the first time I met Pusha T, I gave my beat CD. I okay. was like, oh, man. I was one of those kids that now, like, I would tell people about, like, don't be that guy, you know. But I was hungry, young, passionate, naive. And I said, yo, let me just give him this beat CD. That's the first thing I did. I shouldn't have given him my beat CD. I should have, like, told him about my website, you right, know. Right, so right. he's probably by first, like, off the rip, like, who is this kid giving me a beat CD? Especially, like, this <laughs> brown kid, like. Super nerdy, like, okay, like, he's going to listen to that, you know? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So that was funny. And I had done that all the time. Every time I'd run in, and these beats were not that great either. Like, I was using That's what I was going to ask. I was yeah, they were not bro, that great. How your beats? <laughs> but. Okay. 
What? Mm. What did you use? I used Fruity Loops because it was free. Okay, okay. You know? Well, it wasn't free, but you know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Everybody (laughs) would have that shit bootlegged. So, like, (laughs) that's how I had access to it. So, I I would use Fruity Loops, but I do remember I know what sounds good. Like, I don't have the technical ability, like, uh, play A minor chord or something on a piano. Okay, okay. But I, I can hear it. And so I know, like... So you have the ear for I it. I have the ear for it, I feel okay. like. And that played a role into why I'm around the type of people I am. I'll okay. go into that. Because because I had the ear for the music, I recognized that local talent, and that got me closer in approximation to, like, Pharrell and them, right? Okay. And Timbaland and them. Because I found out, you know, my friend Hannon, who's working with Nick, Nicholas F., is also working with Timbaland and Magoo. Mm. So Magoo saw me as an asset for my creativity. Okay. But he... Straight up told me one day, I'm like, show me. I've been in this industry for a while. I've seen legs get broken, all kinds of crazy shit. He was warning me early, like, you sure you want to be in this game? Right. You know? I'm right. sure you've seen crazy stuff. Oh no, no, we I have definitely. <laughs> <laughs> this um industry has uh, it can be very intense. I, I I tell people like, yo, once you it you can feel this industry this industry sucking you in. And that's another thing why I was afraid to tell my parents because they're like, oh, he's, like, getting into hip-hop, too. Like, you know, like, it's dangerous, you know? Like, they would only hear the stereotypes on the news and stuff. But, right, right. Oh, shine, shot and up a I, club or something. Like, they'd hear these things and, like, yo, you're around a lot of rappers. And I feel like at that, you were in a more different time yeah, compared to what now, it is now. exactly. Things are way more progressive now when you, <laughs> right. you know, hear about hip-hop. But, like, back then, you know, you had all this crazy stuff on the news, too, about gangster rap and the East Coast, West Coast beef was still fresh. And so, like, you know, I'll skip a few steps and we can go back to it. But I think my dad finally realized that, hey, this is the game uh, you could be in because my dad is an accountant, too. Okay. So that was great. Like, he knew he, he understands money. I did not. Okay. He'd always advise me on how to spend my money. I'd never listen. But, like, um, he was just, like, the first time Pharrell had wired us, like, $30,000 for five days worth of work. Oh, wow. I was okay. like oh, wow, like, and I didn't know that's how much he was going to pay us. It was just me and, like, four four other friends. We made a website uh, for BBC Ice Creams collab with Pepsi. Okay. And didn't even, like, had a con- have a contract. So, wait, this yeah. all started with just websites. Websites. It's all websites for me. Okay. Yeah, so okay. video wasn't really in the picture for okay. a while. Okay. I would have loved to have been in the video game, but, like, we didn't have film school access you know, YouTube wasn't even really there yet. We, if we did want to learn video, like you had to go through internet forums, like some really nerdy shit. Wow. In the underground to like really find out as much as you can. So like, um, we did have like me and my best friend. Um, we just invested in small cameras from Best Buy and stuff. You know? Gotcha. And so when we were starting to get access to Pusha T and Pharrell and all these guys. I'd always have my Best Buy video camera, mm. just a small, tiny camera. Right. So, like, now I have, like, hours and hours of tapes that I still haven't done anything with. Oh, wow. Looking back at it. But, you know, I would just be behind the scenes. So, it was starting to, like, get my feet wet in video stuff, but it was for fun. Because one day I'd be filming, like, some illegal racing. It's like that Fast and the Furious era, mm-hmm, too. <laughs> so mm-hmm. All the kids in Virginia Beach would soup up their cars. And I felt left behind because I didn't have a cool car. My dad like bought me a, a Mazda Protege, which was not a cool car, and all the other kids <laughs> had like Honda Civics and and Acuras, yeah, RX sevens, yeah, RX sevens. So all these dream cars, just getting hooked up, and I'm like in my little Mazda Protege, not cool, 
um, <laughs> pulling up to these races, but then I would film it and edit it mm, for fun. Okay. Put it up on these internet forums and people were loving it. And so then we'd help Nick get Nicholas F going back to him, help him get booked at car shows and stuff. Okay. And then I remember seeing Chad and uh, I don't know if Pharrell showed up, but I remember seeing Chad at the car show. Okay. We got hyped. I was like, oh my God, Chad's at this car show. Let's go get a photo and stuff, you know? Little did I know years later we'd be, you know, working with these guys. Right. But um it really started down on a local level, building it up with websites. You you go the path that you're given, you mm-hmm. know, and you figure it out later. Like that might not be the first like you, even though you're not the most passionate about this one thing, that's an opportunity, still an opportunity. Right. So, right. like, for me, advice-wise, kind of go where the path is, you know, and then you can branch out. When you, like, make something of yourself or you, you have uh, more notoriety and things like that, then you can do what you want, you know? And for me, just in the beginning, just yeah. trying to prove my parents I could get a check off of this. Right, right. And even before the $30,000 check, the first check I ever got from Pharrell was $200. Oh, wow. It was for a logo for, like, a, a TV show pilot that my friend Doug was doing. Doug used to, like, go to Pharrell's band practices and stuff, and he was an A&R for the label. Okay. So Doug is somebody that we met at these local uh, shows with Nick and everybody. So it's crazy. And, and it connected to, like, all these other peoples because we'd go on web forums and say, yo, we can make web- your website, this website, and then it spread, and then the first social media that ever happened that changed my life was MySpace. Right, right, And so exactly. now we were taking networking to another level because with the MySpace page, what we did to stand out is we were using our computer science knowledge and okay. coding to, like, really spice things out. We were using, like, Flash and animation. So mm. when uh, Timbaland's um, co-producer, Deja Hands, was working on the Justin Timberlake album, and he was working on Nelly Furtado's album. He's also from Virginia, uh, Danger is. And we had a, a mutual friend, my friend uh, Young Sean. Uh, Young Sean had also grew, grew up with the Clips, and but he grew up with Danger and all these guys. Okay. And so we're like, yo, Danger got a crazy discography, but he's kind of looked at as a ghost producer. What can we do for him? We made him this uh, MySpace okay. with um, like an MPC that he was using all the buttons, but each button was an album cover he had worked on. Oh, wow. So we didn't know what we were doing. It was like kind of what agencies would do or marketing agents would do. We, I, I knew that all of us were collectively elusive media. We're creative. You know, mm-hmm. my best friend, Philip, uh, since sixth grade, um, was our, our business partner, co-founder of elusive media, you know? Um, these days he's kind of got like the more nine to five thing. He's a dad like me now. So he's so caught up in that world gotcha. that, you know, it's hard. It's hard to, I, I don't blame him for like at a certain point, just had, he had a breaking point where he was like, I can't do this anymore. And so he went the computer sound science route. Okay. I, I kept on going this like video route, you know? And even if I, if times got tough, I would take a nine to five as long as it was like video related. So, which makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So I, I would still try to stay in that lane, but well, you started off doing this out of love. Yep. You loved just... Yeah, I didn't care if I got paid. Right. You know, and eventually, you know, as things progressed, you know, obviously that ended up coming, and you was consistent. Being consistent with your work and with your passion, it leads to a lot of ways, and I yeah. feel like we're now in an era where it's like, it's very much instant gratification. Yeah, it's instant gratification, it's instant clout. I feel like... Right. I mean, this is a, obviously like a played out term, clout chasing, but... That's kind of why I have trust issues with like trying to put on a lot of people, mm. you know, even finding new talent. Right. right. I mean, we've been lucky, like 
Lucid Media now is a full-blown 360 production company with us doing television, documentaries, um, signing uh, producers and directors now. You know? Okay. I'm okay. 40 now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When I got started in this game, I was 20. Oh, wow. So, so 20 been, years of like building. For a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For 20 years. I'm 40 now. And being in this game for 20 years, I'd seen it all. And uh, I want to look for other talent that reminds me of how we did it. You know, we were hungry. We didn't care about like. I mean, we all made our mistakes, too. You know, like I said, right. like, seeing Pusha T for the first time, giving him a CD or something. But I was never the type of guy to say, let me take a flick with you. you right, know? right, I right. never did that. And you see these kids now. I'll hire somebody that I'm like, oh, this guy might be hungry. Or is he, like, just thirsty? There's a difference between being hungry and thirsty. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, the kid that I know is going to mess up is the one that busts out his phone. Okay, cool. I get it. You want to film behind the scenes. One of your favorite rappers is on set, and I'm directing him, and you're on in, in set with you got the yeah. privilege. But if that same night you now posted the video with an unreleased song, and you know I gave you like a release form to sign that says yes. it's confidentiality, like you can't post nothing, that's when I'm, I'm not hiring you again, and you've already messed yourself up. Not to say you know some people don't deserve forgiveness, but that's the thing. It's a it's a it's it's this thing where you know they're it's, just trying to go for that easy clout, you know. And it's. Is this thing called professionalism? Exactly. They want to be an influencer, but not a director, not a photographer, honestly. So the problem is, is like they use the craft to brand themselves, okay. but don't really actually care about the craft. As long as it's people that are like praising them for getting down. So I think a lot of people kind of creep in this industry now, especially young kids, through association and being around you know, talented people, but they themselves are not that talented. Maybe they have a skill in marketing, <laughs> you know? Right, right, right. So maybe that's what you should go into, you know? Like, hey, maybe that's what you're good at, like branding yourself, but calling yourselves a director is crazy if you don't know half the stuff. Not only that, it doesn't matter if you How do you feel about that? Well, it's not when, even about when, not knowing when, it. It's about not caring about knowing it, you know? My, how do you feel about people giving themselves this title? You know, it's it's fine to give yourself title, but you give yourself a title, but then you come with entitlement. Mm. And that's the problem I have. It's like, oh, why don't I have that, like, artist's video? Uh, I'm like, bro, I've been in this game for 20 years. I've worked from the bottom, like, right. like literally doing favors. Like, I remember burning CDs for Pusha, instrumental CDs. Had nothing to do with my career. Had nothing to do with, like, helping my career. But I knew that's what would make him happy. And he'd find myself useful, mm. you know? So, like, when Pharrell was doing uh, the Gangster Grills uh, mixtape, um, uh, for In My Mind, the prequel mixtape yeah. where he's yeah. rapping on Wu-Tang and all that stuff. Right, right. I was the kid that downloaded those instrumentals off the internet. Oh, wow. For him. Because back then, I think you had, like, you had, like, Kazaa or something. You didn't even have YouTube. This is before free YouTube. Right, so I, right. I was one of the few kids that knew, like, how to download these joints and burn it had nothing to do with like helping me in my career really yeah, but yeah. I, I knew whatever i could do to help these guys out or if i could be helpful that eventually they'd give me a platform and they did so it came from like me burning instrumentals to all of a sudden push it was like yo uh do you know how to do a mixtape cover and again i understand how these new kids are where they might not know how to do it and say yes i did mm -hmm. like so there's nothing wrong with fronting a little bit but you got to learn it so right. when, when Push is like, yo, can you do a mixtape cover? I didn't really know Photoshop like that. R okay. I okay. literally, like, started hitting up everybody else that knew. 
And so, like, when I first did the mixtape cover, it's funny now looking back at it. It's not my favorite mixtape cover, but it is an infamous mixtape cover. I did the We Got It For Cheap Volume 1 mixtape cover. But I try to, like, put in every filter I could. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so dumb because I remember, like, that was my first time meeting Pharrell, too, because Pusha had stayed with Pharrell for a while in his Virginia Beach crib. And so Pusha wanted to go over a few things, and I'm, like, frozen. I see Pharrell there. Okay. All of a sudden... And for us, like, so what do you do? I'm like, oh, you know, like a little bit of everything, you know, <laughs> yeah. like graphic design, maybe video, maybe web design. And I'm trying to tell Pharrell, yeah, you know, the reason I did all these filters because I'm trying to get this vintage look out of this thing. And I'm just like, why am I even trying to like tell this guy who's got some of the best album cover designers and stuff? Like, I got to right. chill out. I remember Vashti was there, too. And I was trying to explain to Vashti, like, yeah, you know, I'm learning this program called Photoshop, you wow, know, but I was hungry, though, you know, and and. I didn't, like, at that point, you had cell phones that could take photos, you know? Yeah. I didn't bust out my phone and take a photo of Pharrell at his house. You know, that could have been it for me. Spreading that out on the internet. You know, that could have been, like, it's true. last time they ever spoke to me. I feel like how we grew up, right, would be, like, learning how to build the relationships. Yep. And opposed to now, I'm not saying that everybody doesn't, but there's a difference. Like, a lot of people are quick to burn bridges, yeah. not even caring whether they can swim or not. You know? I literally have never, I know it sounds crazy, I've never burned a bridge. And that's At least not that I know of. Right, right. In 20 years, whether if I'm working with Rocky or working with um, Pusha, we may have had our ups and downs and little mistakes, but never got my ego to a place where I said, fuck this guy or that guy. I'm burning this bridge like never like I will be the bigger man and apologize or, you know, do what I have to do to keep that relationship because you never know, like, who's going to like blow up. I mean, I tell I've told this story a thousand times. It's not that I burned a bridge, but I learned another lesson where the first time I met Drake, mm-hmm. he was like, yo, I need a manager and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, ah, I don't know about this guy. This Canadian kid. Like, I'm not going to manage some Canadian rapper like he's not gonna make it so like i was dismissive you know Mm. and so but that wasn't necessarily a bridge burner you know but i was dismissive gotcha we were all trying to push for nick because nick and drake had a mixtape together okay and sorry i'm i'll be all over the place because it's 50 million stories but if i can like find an anecdotal piece of it to like make sense of it no i'm i'm loving it because and i hate to sound like a name dropper but that's how you tell these stories because those are the names we came up Absolutely. I mean, this is your story. At the end of the day, if somebody, listen, I I feel like if somebody's here to hate or feel a certain way, it's just just them projecting. Exactly. At the end of the day, you know, you this is your story. This is your process. And you know, again, you started from the the ground up. You started with, you was fortunate to build with these guys. It just happened. It wasn't the so. At the end of the day, you know, you was able to work and and, and be consistent. And like you said, the hunger. The hunger of you wanting this made you where you're at now, where a lot of people look up to you. A lot of, you know, like your creativity is insane. I was just like, I was literally looking at your work and I was just like, yo, I love how you are with colors. Everybody says that. Yes. I explained to people, it's probably because growing up Bengali, uh, we're around a lot of Indian culture as well. And growing up um, around so many weddings, Mm -hmm. they're very colorful. If you watch like... Indian weddings or Bengali weddings are very colorful. So I always grew around, like, a lot of vibrancy. You know, a lot of Indian art is very colorful, too. So, like, it's hard for me not to make something vibrant. There was a time where 
like colorful stuff was a little played out and everybody's doing like this very desaturated look okay my shit was still colorful yeah yeah so maybe it didn't give me the most work but i think we kind of stood our ground when we did beyonce's uh visuals and i remember asking the producer like yo so when this gets color corrected is it gonna be all desaturated and flat looking because that was the look okay for a while um I think a lot of the like video nerds are gonna understand what I'm talking about, but yeah, like we still said nah, like we're gonna make it super bright and colorful. And I started noticing like after that video came out, a lot of other videos started like saying, oh, you know, this is cool. Like this really saturated, vibrant look is not that bad. So like, because some people are too cool to like make vibrant visuals. Right, for right. Me, I, you know, I just like things vibrant. When I was watching Hype Williams, like. Even if it's monochromatic, it's like a crazy color, right. a crazy hint of blue or something, you know? So, like, yeah, I just I just love... How do you go about challenging yourself when it comes to stepping out of your comfort zone? Because in reality, you know, it's you versus you. Yeah. Um, I challenge myself by, like, kicking my own self in the ass when I'm, like, criticizing myself. Okay. Um, no, I would say this. I think part of being successful for me was not being overly critical that I wouldn't put the work out. Okay. Okay. But at the same time, part of what's held me back was when the work did come out, I was like, Oh, maybe I shouldn't promote this. Cause this isn't exactly what I've, um, expected it to look like. Okay. So only because like, I do have like some of the biggest directors that I'm inspired by in it. And, and like on the modern tip, Nabil, who had done a lot of the Kanye stuff and he had done a lot of Travis Scott, a lot, a lot of incredible videos. Um, I, I really looked up to Nabil and so like, and Nabil's like maybe even a young, uh, a year younger than me. Okay. So I'm just like, shit, man, this guy's a year younger than me and he's like to the moon, you know? But the thing is, I think everybody has their own path and everybody has their own time and I, and I have to like um, come back to reality. Okay. Because some of what we do, some of our best work sometimes is when money's not involved. And I say that because, mm. like, when we did Rocky's Multiply video, I wasn't worried about, like, keeping up with all these other side businesses that I've invested into now, right? When I did Rocky's Multiply video, it was to help Rocky kind of have, like, another chance at it. Because I remember that that was a point where he was kind of, like, feeling like, man, what do I do now? Like. Mm. I've had so many big hits like fucking problems and um, wild for the night. I need to like come back to the streets. And so when we did the multiply video for Rocky, we were inspired and we were looking at a lot of cool shit from the eighties. Uh, this um, movie called Colors. Okay. I don't know if you remember that. I heard about. So Never like, seen, but I heard like about gangst- it. Like you know, like eighties gang flick. I think it was nineties or eighties. I don't know. But we were looking at Colors and like we were getting inspired by gang culture and things like that. But I knew, like, with that small budget we had, there's no way we could shoot for three days. I said, you know what? I'll sacrifice my um, mm. director's fee to okay. just make it stretch it out for those three days. And um, so sometimes I question myself, like, how did I make that one video look so good? But then we had some money on this video. It didn't come out so good. But if you are to, like, do every video and you sacrifice the the funds that are supposed to go to you and your crew, then nobody's going to want to work, keep working with you because you're just taking L's, but your name is getting out there. Great, right. but nobody wants to work with you after a while. If you're like, if everybody's having to make that sacrifice, people got to get fed. I can't c- come back to the same 
uh, cinematographer, the same editor, and say, yo, sorry, like, do me a favor. Do it for the love of the art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Because I know how it is. Everybody's got to pay their bills. Absolutely. So what happens is sometimes the video where we're not making our money comes out being the best. Sometimes the video where we're making money because everybody has to get paid, you know, is okay. Yeah. I'm not saying it's whack, but, like, it's okay. Um, Sometimes I am overcritical. Okay. For my own video. I remember when Yamborghini High first came out, I was super critical about that video. Why? It's funny because everybody says that's one of your best videos. And, you know, me and Rocky co-directed that together. I was being super critical about stuff that nobody know about. That's the thing, mm. right? We didn't get the camera we wanted. I wanted to shoot it on a, like, Alexa Mini. Um, but we only had a Alexa Classic, which is like a bigger, heavier camera with like um, some differences. I didn't get the anamorphic lens I wanted, which is like the widescreen okay. look. We, you know, settled for a cheaper spherical lens. Now I'm talking like these things that are alien to some people, but uh, uh, people who know know. But you know, like there's lens choices and all this stuff that nobody would care about that only I care about. Okay, it's kind of like when you talk to like a producer, maybe. Yeah. You know how he wanted his mix done, maybe. Right, right. You know, right. maybe it's not the mix he wanted, but the song still went platinum. That's the situation with Lamborghini High. So when it first came out, I'm like. Oh, this could have been better. That could have been better. I was overly critical about myself about that video, and it was going viral. And everybody's like, "Yo, why aren't you owning up to this video?" And big mistake for not owning up to a video like that. Why was it a big mistake? Because now people look back at it like, "Bro, you did that video." Some people don't know I did that mm, video okay. because I didn't own up to that video okay. because I was being so hard on myself, feeling like it still wasn't ready when it came out. Gotcha. Okay. While other people were just complimenting me. Like, yeah, that's one of your best videos. I'm like, wow, really? I thought it could have been like this and that. When was the last time you saw the video? Oh, man. I only go back to seeing that video because Yams was a good friend of ours. Rest in peace. I go back just to, like, smile, you know, about, like, it was a dedication to him. And it was a fun shoot. Stressful and fun at the same time. Me and Rocky were bitching each other out (laughs) because, like, we were, like, going over time with money and budget. And... Um, you know, it was funny because we were all we were really screaming at each other at that video. Now we look, you know, look back at it and laugh, just because you know we're both creatives and I have a vision, he has a vision. Right, Sometimes right. he's not that that technical, so he was trying to explain <laughs> things to me in a non-technical term, and I'm like, I don't get what you're talking about. Gotcha. I'll do my best visualize it, and then I am telling him why there's a limit to doing this and that because I'm coming back at him on some technical sense. I'm like, Rocky, I know you want this. But technically, it's not possible. I know you want to burn this car in Yamagini High. We're going to have to do it in VFX because we are in a forest in California, and they're very strict about letting somebody just burn a car down. Right, right. (laughs) I remember uh, day two of that video shoot, I didn't tell them that we didn't get the permit to burn the car down. Oh, my God. So we rented the Lamborghini again. Okay. And Rocky's like, why is this thing not on fire? I'm like, Rocky, first, we couldn't get a fake Lambo to burn it down. I, I swear it's going to look great if we just do it in VFX. Nah. <laughs> I don't even want to shoot in front of the scene. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> oh, my God. He's a, he's a, he's a pure artist, you know. He, he has a vision, okay. you know. Uh, kind of like, you know, Kanye in them. I, I see that in uh, Rocky. He's very particular about certain things if it, you know, doesn't happen this way. And me, I'm the type of editor. I mean, I'm, talk- I'm the type of director that also edits. So I can see the edit as I'm shooting it. Oh, really? So, yeah. Like, I already visualize getting to the end as I'm shooting this thing. Oh, dope. I kind of already know, like, what it's going to look like. It doesn't, And so that's why I'm also very hard on myself because 
that vision I had and it didn't come out that way, I'm just like, oh, man, I'm very hard on myself about that stuff. When in your – so because you didn't go to school for this, right, and obviously it was just a learning process overall, at what given point in your career where did you reach that level of professionalism or skills, having that skill set? I'll tell you what the secret is, and I didn't realize this for a while because I would do a lot of videos and they look whatever. what, What I realized is surround yourself with people that are 10 times better than you. I agree. So the first time I had a big budget, I didn't go ahead and try to do it on my own. Mm. First time, and it wasn't even that but that big. Now looking back at it, okay, in hindsight. But at the time, it felt like oh, forty thousand dollars is a big budget back right, then. Right, right, right. As a kid that was just like doing videos for five thousand to zero dollars, right? Instead of doing it myself, I hired a production company. I looked at the call sheet. It's like, oh man, there's like a crew of like twenty people to really make this happen. Okay. So you, I reverse engineered everything, meaning I went to the pros, saw how they did it, took mental notes. Me and my wife kind of like just peeped everything that was going down, looked at all the call sheets, and realized, oh, so that's how a call sheet is done, and these are the, these are the crew members that need to be on your set to make it happen. Mm. And so it was a lot of reverse engineering. So yeah. how do you go about selecting those two? Because, again, you're picky yeah. with who you work with. So how how you go about At that At the process? time, I wasn't that picky, but I knew, like, the production company we went with. Um, I had an agent at the time, too. Okay. That was okay. the first time I had an agent. You know, um, Code, uh, that company based out of UK. They, they've done massive work. But um, they were repping me at the time, and they had, like, said, hey, you know, this one's on the West Coast. It was a video for Ty Dolla Sign and Charlie XCX and Tanache called Drop That Kitty. Okay. So even that video, like when it first came out, I wasn't that happy with it. Really? But it went viral later on, like 50 million is not bad, you know? Yeah, But at yeah. the time when it first came out, I was like, oh, I don't know about this. It's a little crazy. Like some of what I wanted didn't happen. But again, I keep having to like remind myself. What you see in your head, not everybody sees. So, like, everybody else has a different perspective. Right. So, when you're overcritical about yourself, you're going to hold yourself back. But sometimes it's good to do that because then there's some stuff that might be whack, and you're like, oh, good, let's go and promote that. And there's a bigger client out there that's seeing that. Right. Like, I don't know if I want to hire this guy because he's proud of this, you know? Right, so, right. you have to find that balance, mm. you know? And you have to, like, see, okay, what's the strength about this piece of work you're doing? What's the weakness about this? And how can I make whatever's weak on this one better on the next one you know right right every right. day i'm still learning like i'm a film school to I'm, me is life yeah right <laughs> and right. it's a non-stop learning process i mean i could imagine because obviously throughout the times you got to keep up with just everything that's cool you shit. know yeah like every yeah all the cool shit like there's so right many now things we're challenge we've got the challenge of ai how's that it's good and bad okay it's good because when you have writer's block, it can help. Okay. It's good because, it, for me, it's good in the pitching process. Okay. Um, it's good for the pitching process because it can help you sound more professional or it's sometimes adding more texture to your stuff. I don't like the type of people that are writing a treatment on AI, like ChatGPT, if they're like, go write me a treatment about a rap video. Mm. And they just get some random shit some fucking computer made up. For me, I'm just like, help me describe this scene where a car is burning, but like we're in the middle of the jungle and next to a river. I'm going to be very descriptive about what I prompt AI to do. Gotcha. Same thing if I'm using the other software, Mid Journey. If I'm using Mid Journey to like write out um, 
a, a, a prompt for the image I wanted to do. And for those who don't know, Midjourney is like this AI software um, that is based on commands. Okay. And you could give it references to, you could train it, which is amazing. Mm. So like you could train it by giving it faces and things like that. Really? So like you, if you don't keep up, you're going to get lost. That's the right. thing. You have to keep up with this stuff because the other cool thing about uh, open chat is I'm now I'm kind of giving away some sauce, but I'm okay, okay, okay with it. Like if I'm on a telephone conversation about creative with an artist, uh-huh. I can obviously you got to ask them while I'm recording this conversation. If you record that conversation mm-hmm. and then use Adobe to like transcribe that conversation, you could feed it back to the AI and the AI will create an outline for you based on that conversation in a very nice way. And so then you're not missing out on some of these ideas that you might have talked to with an artist about what they want. I know this sounds crazy, but that's how far we've gotten now. <laughs> that's, it's a little intimidating. It is intimidating, but even this podcast we're doing right now, if you take it to Adobe, get it transcribed, uh-huh. and then you enter that transcription into Open Chat, which is free. Uh-huh. I know they're going to have a pro version coming out for like 40 bucks a month, which is well worth it. But, but if you enter it into um, Open Chat, it'll give you outlines, and it'll tell you, it'll write up what this whole podcast was about even. Get out. Yeah, it could do all that. So m- to go back to it, uh, to challenge yourself, you got to integrate with the new technology that's Absolutely. coming out. Absolutely. It's good and bad. You know, there's going to be a lot of those guys. Right. Those those guys that want that clout, just a lot of fake, fake, mm. non-creatives acting like they're creative with no real inspiration and influence, using it for evil to present themselves as the originator of, like, this look or whatever right. that they're just really, I still consider it a little bit of stealing because um, these programs do take influence and they do just take a lot of images that mm. they never got rights to to create the image. So right now, this sounds like what I'm speaking is very foreign, but I think in it's little to no time, people can understand exactly what right, we're talking right, about. Right, right, right. Let me do. Speaking about this, like, yeah. do you feel right now in this age that people are um, as creative as before, or is there lazy art? There is lazy art. And the problem is now we can make that lazy art, get a cosign from somebody else that's kind of popping, and all of a sudden you're on. And there's nothing wrong with that if you got lucky and got put in that situation, but you should learn and you should push yourself. Like, oh, now I've got this platform all of a sudden. Let me go be my best like self. Because even me, I wasn't the best when I got a chance to mm-hmm. do this one mixtape cover for Pusha T. But I kept pushing myself to say, okay, well, let me learn like how to be better at Photoshop. So I think it's fine if you're getting on and you're getting lucky. But the problem is if you're a one-trick pony off of that laziness and mm. keep repeating the same shit over and over again, and all of a sudden that is what is getting praise. My biggest issue with today's society is there's so many dope, dope directors that are not getting on because they kind of are like, not comfortable, you know, being putting themselves out there, putting their face out there and all that stuff. And so they're getting slept on when they should be some of like the guys getting uh, guys and girls that are getting some of the best work. So you feel like should they be more of an influencer in a sense so they could get the <sighs> recognition? I think there's a classy way to do it. Okay. And there's 
like me, I troll myself a lot, like okay. purposely. I, I do it in a way where some people are confused. I am sometimes like joking around and people think I'm being serious. Okay. Like I'll have like five Lamborghinis behind me and I'm taking a photo like an influencer purposely sort of as a joke. Okay. But at the same time, it's a low key flex. Yeah. Cause I'm yeah. around this kind of stuff and other people will either take it seriously and be like, Oh, you're whack corny for that. But then there are people that are actually corny. Like, Oh, that's fire. Like I, I want to get like in front of that stuff. And I'm just, just honestly just testing out the algorithm to okay. see what hits. And I'm like, okay, if I'm posting like work, nobody cares. But if I'm posting myself in front of some dope car or some super shallow materialistic, all of a sudden you're liking it. You know, the algorithm is the a, algorithm loves the shallowness. Loves the, shallowness. The, 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 the materials. So <laughs> I sort of like find myself, you know It's weird times. Yeah, it's weird times, man. Like why do I need to like put myself out there as an influence or something? I even noticed, like, when I got uh, verified on IG, all of a sudden... Oh, my God. All of a sudden, like, the same comments I was leaving to, like, you know, hype my people up, whatever, all of a sudden, now that comment leads to a follow. You didn't follow the same comment before, like, based on me, like, interacting with a producer or a director that I admire. I'll comment on their shit. No response all of a sudden because there's a blue check next to it. Oh, let me go follow this person now. And right, and that's why, again, going back to like the the social media era, well, social media now, should yeah. I say, is like it's it's the the perception. Yeah, you but have I think that. it's dying out though. Do you feel like it is? I think. What, I think. Well, there's new. I think. I think. I think. Um, I think TikTok's taken over, and I think IG is struggling. I think they still have a wave. They did the right stuff, could get their shit together. I think what's happening is artists are kind of leaving Instagram because photographers feel like, okay, well, I'm not getting the same sort of engagement that I used to get. Mm. And unfortunately, we have to use social media to get more work sometimes because there's only so many people in your circle that's going to keep getting you work. So to get discovered by, like, Rich the Kid found me through Instagram. That's how I, you know, ended up doing his music video. He was a fan of my work. He saw through Instagram, right? So... Clearly, like, social media following does help you get work. And it the problem is it feels like a whole other full-time job. Mm. Like, why do I have to be somebody I'm not to, like, you know, um, go the- above somebody else? Yeah. You know, like, it, it sucks, right? But you have to do it, unfortunately. But I think there are cooler ways to start utilizing those things, you know? Like, at the same time now... I'm more confident, like, me, like, making music again. Like, I'm making beats again. Okay. So, I'm like, you know what? I'll use IG Reels because I was thinking for a while, what am I going to use IG Reels for? Like, I obviously do videos, but, like, now my videos that are beautiful widescreen are, like, vertical. Yeah. I'm getting more okay with it. Okay. So, now I'm having to, like, get on TikTok. I noticed, like, oh, I posted, like, I posted this Skilly Bang and um, French Montana video I did on TikTok. All of a sudden, I was, like, getting all this engagement. I'm like, oh, shit. You know, it sucks. It's, it's it, Especially if you're, like, a small business. I work with a lot of big artists, but we're still a small company. We're still a very small production company. We're not Ogilvy or all these big agencies that have been around for past 100 years, 50 years. We are fortunate that 
we're now getting a platform to do that type of work. When I first was doing music videos, people were just looking at it like, oh, this is too urban. Mm. Uh, you can't be in this commercial space. Seriously, I was not getting um, commercial work, which I know pays the most. Yeah. Television, commercial, and film, if you're working with the right production companies, pay the most. Like, for every cool music video project we do, it doesn't even come close to the kind of money we make when we work for the New York Knicks. Mm. But in the beginning, that was looked at as like a weakness for me. Like, oh, his shit is too urban. That's crazy. Literally would just say that. Right. Till everybody had to kick the doors down and say, right. yo, we're the fucking people that are helping you sell your sneakers. You're, exactly. You're going to hire us. And so now they don't have a choice. They know hip hop moves the needle when it right. comes to product. And so now all of a sudden they want my eye mm. <laughs> and my perspective you know, in wow. this stuff. We had to, like, deal with years and years of these big corporations not even looking our way till all of a sudden, you know, some of them are still culture vultures. Overall, like, I did hear about that, like, how a lot of these corporate companies, how they treat, you know, our community, the, mm -hmm. the blacks, the browns, the his, you know, and, and the majority of the sales are the, from us, you know. So it's like it, it's just sad to see it. But I'm glad that, you know, a lot of people are putting the actions to opening those doors for now. It's the future. changed a lot. It's changed a lot. I was definitely deep diving in your Twitter mm -hmm. and you caught my attention with um, depression. You have mentioned how depression can come from an excess of, excess of work or mm -hmm. lack of it. But for creative, it is especially insidious, right? Yes. So what is the relationship in your life between creativity and depression? I'll tell you, when it comes to creativity and depression, I think the reason it hits us the hardest is because the dopamine levels are so high mm -hmm. when you're doing something creative, right? But creativity doesn't come with stability all the time. Right. Right? Right. So, yo, when you're doing these five projects, you're like, oh, here, there. Yo, like, there's nothing better, more than money, that that high you get when you're doing some of your best creative mm -hmm. work and you're getting paid to do what you love. But, like, just being in the midst of that. But then, all of a sudden, it's quiet. Right, right. Like I said, that winter hits. People are not filming. So, the, the highs are so high that the lows feel super low. Yeah. And I think... A lot of people need to think about that. I think a lot of people don't realize, oh, maybe that's why I'm feeling it so hard. You're probably all right. Like what I started realizing is I started making mental lists or just physical lists even. Like okay. what should I be grateful about? Like I still got my hands and feet. I'm still able to breathe and I'm still creative. The creative hasn't gone away. So like when I started looking at it and having more perspective, like there is, you know, there's so much goodness. There are people that still love me. Um, I haven't broken a lot of bridges. Like you, I know it sounds corny, but like, and I think therapy helps for people. Some people get their therapy from their friends. Some people go to the professionals. Right. Whatever I recommend Whatever going works. to the professionals, honestly. Right. But for me, my friends luckily are very therapeutic. You know, and so a friend of mine, Anoop, is the one that told me about that. Like, yo, you know, you realize you're not what you're not realizing is the reason you're depressed right now is because you just came down from such a high and there's no high like a creative high mm. more than drugs and so i don't think a lot of people know that i think i think there's something to that why artists feel 
squashed or something sometimes, right? Mm. Imagine like doing the hottest single you ever done. You've just like was Shoot on up. this right. upward roller coaster and then you fucking came down and nobody's talking to you all of a sudden. It's very hard. It's crippling. Yeah, it it's is. crippling. It is. You're not motivated to get up. Um, and the reason I want to speak on it, because if I know like if I'm going through it, I know many people are. Mm-hmm. I'm not too cool to let you know I'm depressed. I'll tell you, like. I remember seeing millions of dollars, like not to get into money. Like when I made my first million, I was the most depressed. Oh, wow. Because around that point, also, I was not creatively fulfilled, but also like my wife was her health wasn't at the best. Okay. And so I was like, man, like it's hitting me all at once. So money can bring you happiness, but it also can't bring you happiness. Right, right, right. I think you have to know how to utilize that thing. So the way I deal with depression and stuff nowadays is like, obviously you have to have hope. Talk to people that want to collaborate with mm-hmm. you. Me and my friend, the first time I experienced it was when the pandemic had first happened. Everything had shut down. Okay. Uh, and I couldn't do yeah, nothing. I felt yeah. powerless. Right. Super depressed. And you know what we did? Me and my best friend from high school, yo, we've always wanted to make a movie. Let's go write one. Mm, okay. And movies aren't going to happen overnight, but if you write something, you might see that come to life in 10 years or the next year or whatever, right? So we learned how to write a script, which is funny because, you know, I'm, like, around film all the time, but I never wrote a movie script, a full... Well, me and my best friend, we dedicated ourselves and locked ourselves in because we were on lockdown. Okay. So we're going to write this 90-page script, and we wrote it, and we were so happy. Like, even though it hasn't gotten made yet, just, like, creating something that was an artistic impression uh, artistic expression that you're you know happy about that felt great right and then eventually it's funny though when i had announced you got to put things into the universe i believe in god and i believe there's a higher power or like i'm looking at your things it's a higher vibration right something yeah. there because when i had announced that me and my best friend just wrote a, a movie script on ig okay because of that announcement, the next thing I knew was little TJ's manager hit me up. He's like, yo, why don't you direct little TJ's movie? Mm. And we did. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. Okay. Movie's still in the works. I don't right. know if it'll come out due to legal situations because right. he had yeah. gone down with some stuff. So super talented kid. But, you know, he's, he's, he's had a lot to deal with. Um, but we did do his movie. I mean, luckily, uh, we still turned the movie into a music video. So okay. The Losses music video, the single that came out. Yeah. I directed that music video, but the the scenes actually came from a movie. Mm. So a lot of people that are looking at it, they would understand that music video better if they looked at the movie. But going back into the whole thing of how do you defeat a depression and things right. like that, make yourself useful. I know it's crippling. I know it's hard. Yeah. But you have to make a list of why you're still here. It's not is spoken on. It's overlooked especially within the hip-hop community. Because then you start doing things that are not good for you, drugs, and you spiral into this self-destructive behavior. Right. So, like, if you don't have good friends around you to lift you up when you're in that, like, moment of feeling like you're at your bottom, right? it gets spiraled down. That's why it's important to have positive positive people around you. Sometimes you might find positivity in somebody that looks up to you and they, they lift you back up. Right, right, right. You know, I've had situations where... Um, I did a project and I didn't realize like, oh, this came from my intern. Like agency hired me. This has been many instances 
several instances. I, I've got a UPS project. I did an Under Armour project. I did an Adidas project. All these projects literally came from like people that were interning for us. Oh, wow. Um, and they became somebody big. That's why you never shit on anybody. Right, right. <laughs> you know, always treat people with respect. Always treat people like they're equal because, you know, I've always respected them. They came back when they're at a, like a better position than you are. Right. And like, yo, I'm going to lift you back up, you know, and that's the game. No, nah, it definitely is. And it's dope. Um, show me like it's dope that you, you know, like the mindset you have, the fact that, you know, you you definitely reciprocate the energy. And and when I say that, I say the fact of like how you show the respect, you know, um, it's 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 dope to watch that because despite um, everything like you're a humble dude. You You're have to definitely be. You a have humble to dude. Be, you know, because, um, and even more now, I have to be more uh, mindful. You know, every once in a while, we like want to flex and shit. Right, right, but, right. Like, you have to be humble because if you do too much, especially out in the public on the internet, you're not realizing that that's one of the things of social media. Um, that's why I share the good and the bad. I share the bad because somebody else is going through that same thing and they might, you might have saved their life mm -hmm. because you might have, uh, they might have seen you in front of all these Lamborghinis and uh, watches right. and all this cool shit like you're around or eating good and traveling and then all of a sudden you're telling them, oh, guess what? I am still depressed. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, damn, that person's depressed too? Okay, I'm not the only one, you know? Like, social media makes it very hard because especially like IG because all of a sudden all the people you're around your peers are doing so much better than you because it's curated. Mm -hmm. They're not posting who's sick or what family member died. They're posting, yo, I just did this dope work with right. so-and-so artist that's popping right now. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm washed. Right, right. Not realizing like you don't know what they're going through personally. Like I said, like when I did the New York Knicks project, it looks dope. It was airing everywhere on television. I literally bought a supercar after that, like right. an idiot. I bought a, a, a BMW i8 that I always <laughs> wanted. The doors went up. Never in my life did I think I'd have a car with the doors go up. Right. Yo, I was depressed. <laughs> that's Because crazy. I felt so empty inside. Wow. So that's why I, I have to be very transparent with my social media. Because, you know, people do look up to you. But sometimes you can detract people because you're just only posting the good and people are like you know what this guy's not relatable anymore right like, I, or this guy's honestly bumming me out because all he see is all the flexing and shit and and it's funny that you say um you're saying that because i had this conversation with uh my wife right where she was we was talking about how like a lot of the issues right now with um social media they're realizing that a lot of like the the people we looked up to like the celebrities are mm. not being relatable anymore yep and they're, they're noticing a lot, you know, and it's like, you know, like it, it, we're now in a place where you you want the realness. Right. Yeah. But again, it's like a, it's like a challenge is between the realness, the authenticity opposed to the perception of what is dope or what is the clout. It's a it's a it's murky waters when you're dealing with it because hip hop is built on aspiration. Right. Mm hmm. So you fake it till you make it sometimes, or you really make it and you live it out big. But then there are people that aspire to do those things, but they can't quite afford it. And then they find means into getting it by any means necessary, whether you're selling drugs, scamming, or right. robbing, doing whatever, to live up to that. 
but you don't realize like yo like all these material things the classic line more money more problems it's true you know comes with that yeah i mean you're attracting negative things even with some of these things that you think oh it should uplift people sometimes you're attracting negative things that's why people get robbed right you know it took 10 years for me and my wife to have a kid after several miscarriages and things it, like that. People remember. don't know that. Yeah, like, I, you telling me I that. looked up to my friends that had kids and they didn't have a penny to their name. Wow. But I was like, damn, I wish I could be in their shoes instead. Because right. I can't have... But it was all, all on God to make it happen. Again, the transparency of who you are and, and what you're putting out there is super dope. You know, continue doing that. Um... Because, again, people are watching. Even for those that we may not think they're watching, they are. You well, know? the thing is, you know, Everybody's I've been around I've been around celebrities for the last 20 years. Okay. And I've seen their ups and downs. You know, like some people you'd never think, you know. I could imagine. Will come to you and be like, yo, can I borrow something? And I'm like, damn, dude, I used to work for you. Right, right, right. You know, things can change. Absolutely. People's lucks can change. And it's like that. And so, like, you know, I'll talk to some of my friends. Like, I'm not going to name names. I don't want to put their names out there like that, you know, unless they're here. You know, but these are big, big celebrities. I'm talking, they've sold to- tens of million albums, and they're just like, bro, I'm depressed. I, I believe it. You know, I and I'm glad it. I could be their friends. Because my secret to work, getting a lot of work, was because... A lot of times it wasn't through an agency or something that I got this work, you know. It was like a friend of a friend or they were a friend, Mm. you know. Like I got to meet Ferg because my brother was his friend and his producer. I didn't like come at Ferg and say, I got to do your video right now. It's going to happen. Like, no, I got to do that video because we became friends first. And when he didn't have the kind of money to do the work video, we took equipment from where I used to work at and shot that video. And when Ferg got on and got his deal, he always looked out That's did 28 sad mob videos right right you know it's 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 being loyal you know mm. there are people that i've been loyal to that came back when they made it they never looked back again but then there are people that do so like you know i think certain times you got to only surround yourself with the right people because right. this industry will make you jaded and make you not want to come back to it but hey maybe it's you maybe you got to stop like chasing the wrong crowd right or, or the wrong people or the people that don't come back treat it like business. You know, don't you don't got to be friends with everybody in the industry. Like the people I stay friends with, like Ferg is the type of guy, he'll come to my birthday, hang out, and we're just gonna, you know, get takeout and just eating and have fun. We don't have to like blow it all on Nobu or something. You right. know, that's the kind of guy he is. That's why he's a close friend. And I, when I hang out with Ferg, we don't always talk about business. We just talk about life for hours. When I hang out with Ferg, we don't have to talk about our next video. Sometimes it'll be three years since we've done our last video together. If it happens, it happens. You can't force collaboration. Right. You have to be around artists uh, artists and artistic people because they share a lot of commonality with you, go through the same struggles as you do. I think that that's a community that you have to be around. But then you've got to also be around your friends and family too because they bring something co- completely right. different as well. You know, So, you know, mental health, man, it's a, it's a big issue when it comes to being consistent. I've seen people... The reason I'm still here doing this business is I've done the best I could when it came to mental health and being surrounded by good people. That's the key to longevity. It's not because you got the hottest musicians you're working with or you're the hottest rapper or you got the best-looking videos. Some of the most talented directors I've seen have gone on the deep end and lost their minds and never came back in the biz because 
they just didn't have the right people around them. Right. I strongly agree with you with that. Like, as corny as this sounds, like, you are who you hang around yep. with, you know? Yep. And, I, and I tell people that, like, you know, like, definitely, like, my goal as, like, the more I progress, I don't want to surround my, myself with the negativity or yeah. certain types of energies yep. and et cetera, you know, because energy is transferable. 100%. And, and, and it's a real thing. So it, I, it really does. So I'm glad that you're you're speaking on it and, and you're mentioning that because, you know, again, people get to see now it's not only just good, it's the bad. And now you're just showing people the balance to it. Yeah. What worked best for you. Yeah. Being a good person, having that energy around you, Mm-hmm. You get to see people grow too. Right. And you never know who that next big artist is gonna be. Like that's, that's the thing people always ask. Like, how did you get all these like big clients? I'm like, bro, like some of these people I knew when they were broke. It's because of the relationships. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, you know, the relationships you was able to build with them, the how authentic you were, and, and the loyalty. And it's it's a rare thing to find. Yeah. Relationship is currency. If you want the longevity, 100%. you have to really look at it like that. As I, I, I strongly believe in having good relationship when working with people. And even outside of work, again. Being humble. Right, because right. if you're humble, other people want to be around that. Lastly, I want to ask you, when was the last time you did something for the first time? Oh, wow. You're talking about creatively or like just in life in general? Let's go with just in life in general. Oh, wow. When was the last time I did something for the first time? That's a difficult one <laughs> because some of it could sound shallow. Like, I decided to, like, finally take a vacation at okay. one point in my life because I was just a workaholic. Right, right, wife. right. We're bo- we were both workaholics. I'll tell you two examples. How about that? Okay. I know that there are two different firsts. Okay. Right? There's a first that was career-wise, and there's a first of rewarding yourself. First time I decided to just say, hey, I'm going to take a whole month off and just go on vacation mm. was, like, right before the pandemic. Me and my wife, we went to Thailand, and we went to some other places to visit, and we <laughs> – I'm glad I did it because it was literally right before the lockdown had happened. Oh, wow. So we didn't even know, but we said, you know, let's not worry about work, nothing. That was the first time, really, just – being carefree. So I'm not going to answer any phone calls. And if I do, it's going to be like, bro, I'm on vacation. You got to respect my privacy and my space. Right, right. That was like first time when I went to Thailand and me and my wife decided like, you know, a good life is a life full of vacations. Right, right. You deserve more <laughs> vacations. Smart. You know. So I know that's not the answer, but that was like a first for me, right? Okay. Enjoying a vacation. Because a lot of the times, honestly, we were always going on workcations. Yeah. Like when I went to Jamaica, it wasn't a vacation. It was literally like Diplo had invited us out to go to Jamaica. Diplo said, hey, stay a few days. We'll all hang out. Nope. I was, And it wasn't my fault. I just wanted to keep working. I filmed everybody. Like I filmed Skrillex. I filmed um, Homie from uh, Vampire Weekend. All these people that were just hanging out because I'm just like, oh, I should have been enjoying that right. Jamaican weather. <laughs> nope. I'm just like work, 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 you know? And so like. I started realizing a lot of times I thought I was taking vacations. Even when I would go back to Bangladesh, I'd take my camera and then MTV hit me up. MTV International was like, oh, there's like this place in Bangladesh. All these kids are surfing. You want to like film that? Grateful for the opportunity. I'm glad I did it. But again, like I'd always find myself taking workcations. And Mm -hmm. that is not the same thing as a vacation. No, it's not. And sometimes a staycation is even better. (laughs) Right. Staying home and just like relaxing. Like, right. So that was a first. Like, that was one of those first pure vacation moments. And my dad is now addicted to vacations. And so we've created this culture of saying, you know what? You don't know when you're going to go. 
but like let's try to enjoy the rest of our lives and the money we earn put that aside for vacationing Mm. so that was a first one that first time i said let's do a pure vacation just for the sake of vacationing and not anything attached that was great that's dope i could imagine and then the other first of my life was coming out of the nest of virginia and deciding to move to new york Mm. you know when i first moved to new york because it was all this like uh, things that scare you like oh new york people are mad cutthroat yo like it's so expensive there all these things but that was a first for me when me and my wife when we had first gotten married we were stuck in virginia beach and noticed all our friends had moved to miami or la and the work was drying up in virginia i got lucky that a friend of mine had worked with pharrell and the ceo of karma loop and said hey would you want to move to new york i'm like bro you literally hit me up at a point where i'm at this turning point in my life and took that big leap of faith and moved to New York. Oh, that was wow. a first. Another first. Wow. There are three firsts. Okay, what's that? Had an awesome job, six figures and um, benefits, everything. And my wife was like, you don't look happy and look like you're like working yourself to death. It was in the industry too. It was okay. an industry job. My wife supported me and took a leap of faith and literally quit to like focus on our own company. Mm. I was scared because I'm I was still residing in New York. Who resides in New York gives up a six figure job to one day say we're gonna go and just run our own company? But God has His ways, and I literally got hit with nonstop projects wow. after that somehow. Wow! Because I invested in myself more instead of like growing these other companies, which is smart. So these were firsts, you know, in my life. That's dope. Well, so, thank you for sharing that. That's yeah, super yeah. dope. And and you know, um, just congratulations on everything you've overcame thank you because i know it's not easy in this industry yeah, it can definitely suck you in it can suck you in and uh, dra- spit you out spit you out yep stop I've seen on it. you stop <laughs> on you but you know like you deal with health issues you deal with financial issues all kinds right. of things can come up life happens life happens but you know like you gotta um like i said i've been i've been blessed you know and um shout out to everything that you're still executing you know and and i look forward to seeing even more because it's inspirational for me. You know, it's more for me, like when I see or hear like people that I definitely vibe with, I I love to see the success, the wins, you know, and even the lows and, and things you overcome because it motivates me to the hunger that I have. You have to. You know? I mean, I was, uh, people, uh, again, I know this podcast long ended, but I'll say one other thing. Like when I was doing all the videos for Rocky and Belly in the Weekend and Working on a Beyonce project, I was still living in a one-bedroom apartment I, yeah. in New York, in Jackson Heights. That's but cool. that's because I said, yo, let me be frugal, stack up, and I'll invest that money into something else that'll be bringing that uh, right. stuff. So part of that survival is how you invest, too. I could just go on, you know, but yeah. Well, we're going to bring you back one. We're going <laughs> to bring you back, and I want to just say um, for those that are watching where they can follow you um, or your information. Yeah. Go visit my uh, production company, elusivemedia.com, I-L-L-U-S-I-V-E-M-E-D-I-A.com. And you already know the vibes, man. It's your girl, V. Henny. There's no reason why you shouldn't be following him or checking out the website. All the information will be in the description box below. So you already know, man. We out. It's your girl, V. Henny, the artistry show. Rock out with your cocks out. Jam out with your clam The the, the, the artistry. Catch us on YouTube, Facebook, or outlets. Follow us.